this one's for the culture. Me and wifey in the room thinking of a master plan Thinking how we can influence the culture from where we stand Knowing that our steps are ordered by the master's hand Still ten toes down, we ain't switching up the stance The mission of this music ain't just to make them dance Trying to tell them about the rock And thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us here On our fourth episode of the Bond Chronicles I am your gracious, lovely, handsome host Mr. Bond Chronicles on Instagram And Mr. Ray Bond on Twitter and I am blessed to be here with my lovely co-host. Mrs. Bond Chronicles on Instagram, Robin Bond on Facebook. And we want to get into a bit of a different topic. We've touched on music, and we've touched on some fun celebrity things. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different, a little bit more raw, potentially. Uh, we're going to get into some different things in relation to parenting. Mm. And so recently in the media, sadly, um, Kirk Franklin's parental business has been put out in the streets in by the his streets. son. Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> what was said on the recording, why the son put it out, the family's response to it, the media's response to it, social media's response to it. We're going to get into all of that. Um, so just to give you a little bit of a backstory, uh, Kirk Franklin's oldest son, um, played a recording that was about two years old. And in this recording, uh, Kirk Franklin was profane. Uh, there were some threats issued. Um, it was maybe five to seven seconds. It was pretty short. Yeah, it was no more than like 20. Yeah, it was like very, he, very short. He said what he had to say. He yeah. got that off his chest and kept it moving. <laughs> um, so in that, he, you know, said some different things that are not ideal. Um, but... He did what he thought he had to do. Um, are you okay? You sure? <laughs> yeah. Dude, was it me? Was it me? No. No. Okay. Um, so, um, we'll go ahead and kind of jump into it. So, I'll give it to you, you know, from a mother's perspective and kind of your thoughts. And, uh, you know, I'll jump in and go from there. I guess the biggest thing for me, just listening to the um, the recording, it's like, one, I know Kirk had all that in him. Um, we finally got to see a little bit of Kirk's gangster, and, you know, he really put it out there. I would also say that, obviously, listening to that one little snippet, a big question, and I saw it a lot online, was, what did he do to make Kurt snap off like that? One, because everything that we've ever seen of Kurt, and I think he's always been pretty upfront and open about who he is and, you know, his shortcomings, not only as a man, but as a father, as a husband, as a man of God, you know, go off the way that he did. So it's like, what did the son do to <laughs> invoke that sort of emotion? But then at the same time, I saw a lot and, you know, I can understand the perspective of no matter what your kids do or say, you don't talk to them like that. And I mean, to an extent, yeah, I agree because, you know, your words as a parent to your child, regardless of what age they are, can tear them down or build them up. But they've, from what I've read and what I've seen, they had a crappy relationship for apparently most of his life. So it, 
honestly, you know, you want to know more, but you don't really, as a mom, it's kind of hard to, and you know, put yourself in a situation where you're listening to your husband or, you know, talk to your son in that manner. So it's like, dang, you need to reel it in just a little bit better. <laughs> but at the same time, the frustration as a parent, like, you know, put foot to tail. Like, <laughs> I think that is something that's interesting is, I, I see that you have here that the grandparents, I guess, kind of came out and defended the son, but the mother of the son has not. Yeah. Um, and obviously the sister of the son has definitely backed her dad. Um, in a lot of different ways and been very clear that this has been a thing. We got receipts of what you've said with the text messages that you've sent. And so if you wanted to get messy, it could, it get, could messy. get messy. Yeah. Um, but I think it's in a certain way. I think Kirk did what he had to do. He addressed it. He put out the message and I think at this, he went on a talk show, but they're trying to move forward from it. Yeah. Um, you don't want to have this in the headlines long term you don't want this to be something that becomes selling on your name uh but it is something that i think prompts you to think how the heck did they get here mm -hmm. uh i am somebody who grew up in a household and both parents weren't there my whole upbringing i have had a relationship with both my parents all of my life hasn't always been the greatest been a lot of words that have been said uh, a lot of hurtful things have been done, but it never got to this point. Yeah. And so even in my, you know, disagreements with my parents, it didn't get to here to the point. Actually, I can't say that because there's been some threats. From, uh, <laughs> well, to uh, the point where you would want to air y'all's dirty right, line. But I wouldn't, it, but that's, the, that's where I was going. So even in that, and have I had the thought of recording a call? Not really. That's never really been a thought. Granted, when I was growing up, I don't even know if we had the ability to record calls on phones. Not really. Um, but even once you get to that point, to have the, as far as I'm concerned, the level of disrespect. Most definitely. That you would be willing to put that out on social media for the world to hear, to try and paint your father in a negative light. Like, I think from my perspective, he was hoping to gain sympathy, which to me says there's a him problem. Yeah. There's a there's a self esteem issue. There's a lack of being heard, a lack of being seen. Uh, that family over there is constantly celebrated, and y'all think they're so great. But here I am over here, not getting the shine and the recognition that I deserve, even though I'm the firstborn. So I believe that that is a lot that is playing here. But this ain't the way to get the 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 response you needed. And I think from what I've seen on social media. It just made the situation worse for him. But to piggyback off of that, like, just, not just the audacity to record the call, then to put it on social media, but then in the caption of the video, I'm not putting this out there for you guys to bash my dad or, you know, to be disrespectful to my dad. In what manner is putting that type of audio yeah. clip going to not cause some sort of backlash? And, but like you said, what he did not expect were for people to be like, you tripping. Right. You know, he thought that people were really going to jump on whatever bandwagon he's trying to start. Kirk yeah, Franklin. cancel Kirk Franklin. No. Nah. Um, and feel sorry for you. 
And I guess when that didn't happen, like all the subsequent um, posts and things like that, you know, he's really just trying to look like the victim in the situation. And not to say that Kirk's words or things that have been said between the two of them in the past and, you know, obviously presently aren't hurtful, but in what form did you think that this was going to heal you? Right. Like, in, and I had this conversation with um, one of my girlfriends the other day, um, and I think I heard it on, like, Oprah or something like that. But it's made me, <laughs> it made me look at like, because my mom was a single mom for a long time. And then she was married and she, that didn't work out. And then it was just us again. Um, but for me, I think one thing that I realized, especially after I had Courtney and now that we're married and we've got our whole own situation, is looking at my mom or looking at our parents. You have to remember, yes, they're your parents. But they're human too. Like they are people. They have emotions. They have feelings. And I think a lot of times, especially as adults, we think, oh, it's our mom, it's our dad, everything's sweet. But you get to a point, especially in a contentious relationship, where you cross a line. And not to say that I'll forget that I'm your mom, but you'll forget that you're my dad. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I don't know in what world you think that you live in that you can talk to me like that or say what you, you know, whatever transpired before we heard Kurt go off. Like, but there's a line that you just don't cross. And I guess he thought that nobody was going to care about what he said or what he did to, you know, provoke Kirk like that. But that's not, especially not black people. That's not how we work. <laughs> we don't. And I think the other thing is when you are around someone and you have that kind of relationship, and I will put my label on, I think they have a toxic relationship. Facts. You know what buttons to push. Most definitely. You know what to say, when to say, and how to say, and what to bring up to invoke that kind of response in somebody. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe he was just... Yeah, Dad, I love you and I miss you, and I want to be part of the family. And Kirk was just like, no, blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah break your neck, yeah, <laughs> like break your neck, like you know, just like again, kids, they can, like, they're beautiful. They give oh, you so man. much joy. They fill they your heart. Sure. But children will piss you off. And one, speaking from experience, like, I was a little bit of a problem child, you know, in different parts of my life. So I can only imagine some of the things my parents, my mom would have wanted to say to right. me. But she never did. She never crossed the line. And that's just her and who she is as a parent. Because she, you know, dealt with what she dealt with growing up as a kid. So she wanted her relationship with me and my sisters to be different. So, you know, we don't, I don't really know a lot about Kirk Franklin, to be honest, like what he grew up like. I remember when he had the whole yeah. thing going on. But other than that, like, I don't really know a whole lot about his life. And again, I didn't know Kirk had that much gangster. Yeah. But it definitely, <laughs> I mean, because, but you kind of, his music is different. Like, not, he's not from the streets, but. His lingo, his swag, his style, his persona lead you to believe he he he's he's come from that that walk of life. So 
I was surprised more so because of the music he makes and, you know, the channels that he's on and the way that he professes. So for him to get to that point, that's what surprised me. Mm. Not that that black man had that in him. Because growing in the era he grew up in, and we've been learning a lot about well, that era. Yeah, true enough. Like, they, they've been through some stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if we give our parents enough credit. Most definitely don't. For growing up through the crack and the Reagan era as black people in this country. And all that that entailed. We look, see about George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and all the list today. I can only imagine the other situations that occurred Back before then. then that was read about in a newspaper or that was talked about in schools because they didn't have the advent of social media. Um, and just living in the streets or working in the streets or all that that, that entails. Yeah. Um, but because he was a Christian, so it did bring me back... Um, and I won't go on this long, but Ephesians, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. So in this instance, <laughs> I don't believe that Kirk was uh, bringing him up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. This might have been a little bit of a different Lord, uh, Lord of the streets, that was trying to say, if you don't get your life right, something's going to get happened to you and get dealt with. Um, but I don't think Kirk's words defused the situation. And the onus to me as a parent ultimately falls on you. If you're the head of your household, if you're the parent, you can't go there. You have to be able to say, you know what? This conversation is not beneficial. Yeah. I'm about to go somewhere that I don't want to go with you. And so I'm cutting it off. Yeah. And get the therapist or the a mediator involved at that point. To allow it to get to this point where he could be recorded, I do put on Kirk. And as the role model, he has to be better. Now, as a human. Okay. Yeah. I, I know you. I don't know what was said, but I know it wasn't right. And they always say two wrongs don't make a right. But this son ain't just no helpless victim here. This is a 33-year-old no. man. I turned 33 in about... Two weeks. Turn. What did you say? Turn. <laughs> yeah, I said turn. Oh, it sounded like turned. Yeah. <laughs> so I will be turning. There you go. Thirty-three in about two weeks. I've lived a heck of a life. <laughs> um, I can only imagine what this young man's life is like with Kirk as your dad. So you've dealt with adversity. You've dealt with situations. You're better than this. Well, you should be better than this. And I think there's a lot that needs to go on here. We'll get into kind of how you deal with these kind of situations a little bit later. Um, but I think ultimately it is unfortunate. I know we laughed and we kind of joked about what happened. It is unfortunate. Uh, all the families now have an answer for it. Yeah. I respect the family for speaking up for whoever side that they chose to speak up with. But I would never want to have to speak on, and I'm an only child, but on something that a family member of mine did. Yeah, most definitely. Like, for us, me, you know, me and my sisters, my half-sisters, extended sisters, extended brothers, like, I have a really big family. And obviously drama happens in big families, drama happens in small families. But I think the dynamic can be different in big families, especially when everybody talks and everybody can talk around each other. 
and you get a little bit from your cousin and you get a little bit more from your auntie and then you talk to your uncle and he gives you a little bit more of the story. And so and it, it, more than likely in this dynamic, people have taken sides and drawn lines. Um, even he went as far to say is that he hasn't been invited to like family pictures. He doesn't get invited to family gatherings because the relationship that they have at this point is so toxic. Um, but again, like I'll go back to what did you think releasing this video was going to do for that relationship? Like even if they were in a point where there was some healing going on. That's dead. That's super dead because what you did, one, you aired me out in a moment of weakness at a point where obviously it's vulnerability to be that angry and not be able to control what you're saying especially not to be able to control what you're saying to your child. So obviously that situation that was going on, it was, I don't know if it was extreme, but you take someone to that point, you know what you did. Right. So to, I, I don't have no respect for the son. And then when you no. look at his social media pages, it looks like, you know, he's taken advantage and taken for granted a lot of the opportunities that he's been afforded as Kirk Franklin's son, um, and that him releasing this audio was just a come up. But again, he didn't get the reaction that he wanted to get. None whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so what I want to, what prompted me in all of this was obviously we're here, but I think what's more important is how did they get here? And so as parents, and you and I have had this conversation more so recently as our daughter gets older and older and start, starting to feel and smell herself in her own lovely and beautiful way. <laughs> um, how do you balance discipline versus freedom? And so for a long time, as someone who grew up in church, the, the stigma, and I, I don't know if there's facts or data to support this, but like preacher's kids are always the worst kids. <laughs> and the reason being is because they have to be so uptight. They have to be so perfect that when they finally get a chance to break free, they free. The, the freedom is more than they could can handle. And I would say to a certain extent, I went through that um, somewhat in high school. Granted, I got into a lot in high school, but I had to do it so sneakily. When I finally got to college and I didn't have to duck and dodge to do what I wanted to do. And I just had the access and liberty, liberty and freedom to do really whatever I wanted, it was a lot. Went wild. It was a lot. Um, and so I fully embraced it. And my grades suffered. My actions and activities were unwholesome. And so because I had been raised in church and my mom was very, very strict about the music I listened to and the friends I hang out with, like I transferred schools because she didn't want me going to high school with the people I grew up with because of their influence and all this other different stuff. But you hung out with most of them anyway. That's because she was working 16 hours a day <laughs> to provide a living for us. But in an ideal world, that wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah. So I get that aspect of it, but I also think there has to be some level of discipline because again, for the Bible's sake, it says you are to train up a child. Like parents are supposed to be an example for your kids. Yeah. So you have to have a form of correction. So I guess where do you draw the line or how do you 
kind of oscillate between the two where I want you to grow up. I want you to, if you want to become an artist, if you want to be a musician, if you want to pursue your dreams, that's something that's not ideal for me. I'm willing to allow you to do that. But I also have to put certain restrictions in place so that you don't lose yourself and I end up having to bail you out of jail or you throw your life away at such a young age. And now your life is much more difficult than it needs to be early on. Um, I would say, and obviously this is everything that we're saying is from our own perspective. Um, it's hard to draw the line. Um, because as a kid or I mean, even when I first, I remember, you know, I'm my mom saying, I'm not your friend. I'm your mom. And it's like, to an extent, it's like, well, why can't you be my friend too? Like, I, I want to be your friend. But in parenting, a in a lot of situations, there's really not a lot of room to be both parent and friend. Like, we can have an awesome relationship, but you still have to respect the authority that I have over your life. So it's but, like... And really quick, but I think that's also important. Um, because And we're kind of going through this in a very, very small way that... I think that's also a balance between being a parent and a friend. And I think this is similar, but you want to be friendly enough that you know They'll come the, to you. the kids will come to you or you know if sleepovers sleepovers be at your house yeah because you can control your house yeah if your parent if you and your child don't have a relationship and they always want to do sleepovers at such and such's house because they don't have the same because rules. they don't have the yeah. same rules then i think that opens yourself up to that as well so i think that's also very it's a fine unique balance of, yeah i'm cool but we i'll beat cool. you down if you act up <laughs> Computer, break your neck. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so even now, like I think what Courtney's eight, and we're getting to that preteen, you know, phase, then middle school, and just and it's weird to think about it in that relation now because she's in the third grade, but the world is so different now from when we were kids, and you know she has access to so much stuff. And so it's crazy. So it's like, I don't want to yell at her and tell her, no, 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 all the time. But to an extent, it's like, like what we really do try to do is have a conversation with her. Right. Have, uh, under, explain to us your thinking and behind your decision-making skills right <laughs> now. Explain. Why did you do that? <laughs> right. Why did you think that was okay? Right. And I think... For a lot of us, that wasn't necessarily a conversation that was always had. It was, you know, you did what you did. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Unfortunately. Or when you did do wrong and you get caught, you you got beat. (laughs) There was no question. We weren't talking. Maybe afterwards. Maybe. And obviously, it's like, I 100% approve of spankings. So, if y'all are looking for us to say that we don't approve of spankings, this ain't that family. Um, but we don't approve of spankings for no reason right. for a, you can't spank a kid and they don't understand what they're getting spanked for right. because that's just teaching them violence but and violence solves problems when it doesn't. So I, I, again, I just think that there's a balance between discipline and communication and getting them to understand as best as possible as best as possible. Because a lot of this, a lot of things come with maturity. Yeah. You can't yeah. beat maturity into a kid. Um, it, like it's just, 
trying to find an equilibrium between being uh, what's the word? Um, Overbearing? Yeah. Disciplinary? Yeah, all those things. Um, and being too lenient. Because right. when you're too lenient, you know, I see kids, I have seen kids who talk to their parents any kind of way. They don't have any rules. They don't, you know, have anyone to really answer to. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those kids, a lot of those people that I knew who grew up like that. I know they're in trouble. Yeah. And so I agree. Um, and I, I would say even with our youngest, it's it's almost even more difficult with them because they're so young. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really hard to be like, no, don't do this. No, don't do that. Because there's a lot of times they don't even, a lot of times they don't know that they're doing wrong. Yeah. There are other times. They know. They'll look you dead in the face. Yeah. And as soon as you leave, they'll go get into it and you come back and they just look at you. My God, you're supposed to be gone longer than this. Um, and so that's also a balance of like, you can't over overreact because you don't want to scare them. Uh, but there are precautions to, you know, when you're in the kitchen, don't put your hands in the stove. Don't put your hands in outlets. And yeah, you can put, can put plugs on the outlets, but you want to get to a point where you don't have to put parameters and barriers around everything. You want them to be mature enough to know that I just know I shouldn't do this. So I'm not going to do it. Um, but what makes you get to that point? Like, because I can remember as a kid, like, there are plenty of things that I do I shouldn't do, I shouldn't be doing. But if I'm not going to get caught, and I know I'm not going to get caught, nine times out of ten, I'm going to do it. Um, and I would say I have, I'm a unique individual in that. There was some stuff I did that was like really, really bad. <laughs> and then there was some stuff that I just wouldn't do. Like, it just, I was like, that's, there's different levels of bad. Like, <laughs> like levels of bad. certain things, you know, you do is like, ah, oh, that's bad, but that's not that bad. Yeah. But that, no, I do I doing that. And so, but I think that's different for everyone. There's, there's measures to where levels of where people are starting to go. Like, Growing up, you know, somebody might have talked a lot. And then you might have someone else that would talk and fight. And then there was a couple of people that you knew, they would talk, they would fight, and then they would shoot you. Or they would stab you. Um, yeah. Or they would take it farther the than they needed level. to go. Yeah. And so how that gets differentiated in every kid's life, I think a lot of it is just life experience. Um, if you grow up in the ghetto or low-income areas... You're going to see things. You're going to become normalized to certain ways of life that other people are not. Yeah, definitely. There are certain things that grew... The benefit of growing up in Stafford is I didn't get to see a lot of the things that my family in D.C. or Gary, Indiana or other areas, they saw. Like, I was fortunate enough. I didn't grow up stepping over dead bodies the way I have friends and family that have done that or parents that have seen that and lived through that. Um, and so I think that desensitizes you to, well, if I'm growing up stepping over dead bodies, what's taking something out of a, out of a grocery store? Whereas me, like, I didn't do that. So still out of a grocery store was like, that was a big deal. Big deal, yeah. Um, like, I would talk a lot, but stealing people or robbing somebody, like, I'm not going to do that. Um, but that's just because of my life experiences. Whereas there was other things that... I don't know why I say that to do it, but <laughs> I'm going to do it because I want to do it. Um, 
And so I think that's going to be a balance. And like you said, kids are getting older, younger. And it today's sucks. Generation that it really sucks. It, it does. Because when you look at it, you know, like I don't think I had my first boyfriend or whatever you want to call it until like the eighth grade. And even then, like, all we did was really hold hands. Like, I, there, there was nothing even remotely sexual really about it. Yeah. But now, like, you've got kids who have access to OnlyFans. Like, they have Instagram pages. They've got all sorts of social media. It's TikTok. It's, and then the images, obviously, you know, there's so much censoring that you can do. But kids are smart. They know their way around those, you know, those censors or whatever you want to call them. And you can't be on the bus with them you, or exactly. outside playing with them. Every second of every day. So our daughter doesn't have a cell phone, but no. that doesn't mean that the girl across the street or the, down the street or up the street doesn't have a cell phone and watches videos and who knows what. You know, she might like the Savage Remix and want to watch up videos or whatever else. And we don't do that, but I can't be there when she wants to show her that. Um, and so it is difficult, uh, and I think it is a balance to try and. And I think we're, I think we're doing a decent job of, you know, when we find things, we address and we try to have that conversation, and we try to educate. And I think that was the biggest part for me that I, I didn't have. I had the discipline, but I didn't have the education. I didn't have the, hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. And I know because I lived it. And there was something, it, a lot of it was just, I told you don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. And for me, that don't That's work. That's not how you work. <laughs> that don't work in relationships. That don't work at work. That don't work in life. Like, if you just gonna think you're going to yell at me and tell me what to do, you're probably not going to get a good response from me. And I'm probably not going to do it. But if you educate me and you walk me through it and you show me examples of why what I'm doing is not ideal and what the likely outcome is, okay, then we can have a conversation and that makes more sense. But the problem with, I mean, problem or, yeah, I'm no problem, is you think you're smarter than everybody. <laughs> so you're right. She's right. Um, I typically, when I walk into a room, I do think I'm the smartest person in the room. Um, However, if you give me irrefutable facts, irrefutable facts, or you you give me a scenario that says, "Hey, seven out of ten people that went down that path, they failed," so there's a good chance that I might still go down that path. Yes. But in the back of my mind, I'm still going to be thinking, "All right, either I got to be super vigilant on what I'm doing so I don't get caught up in making mistakes, or I'm going to be like, you know what, it ain't even worth." And so. Sadly, life had to become that teacher that showed me that you keep making these same decisions, you're going to get these results. Yeah. And I think had I had a better example, I think a lot of kids in our generation went through this, at least the ones I grew up with, we didn't have that. Some, some kids I grew up with had two parents in the household, but it helped, but it didn't. And then there were some that didn't have, you know, single parents and some that had a lot more freedom. But the consensus generally was, as a parent, I don't think we had a lot of great examples as parents. We had a lot of great examples as workers. 
Like my mom would work, my dad has worked. They would work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. They and would my grind. Mom is crying. Yeah. They would grind to provide. And so I think that became really a generation of our parents that even my mom's mom, she raised five kids on her own. And she made do and she made sure that they were taken care of. But as far as parenting them, I think that was lacking. And I think that is a new era that we're kind of in with our generation. I think we've kind of tried to course correct that because we realize, yes, you need to educate. Um, yes, you still need to work hard and grind for it. But I need to show you how to be a better parent. I need to potentially make sacrifices. Show you how to be a better person. A better, that's that's yeah. a good point. A better person. Um, and I think that is, in some cases, making a difference to combat all the easily available stuff that counteracts that. No, yeah, I completely agree. Um, again, at the conversation I was having with my girl, um, a lot of our parents, the relationships they had with their parents and the parents before them, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it did, but for a multitude of reasons. Um, we're just now in a situation where most black families, and I wouldn't even say most, like a good number of black families have wealth. They're not struggling paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Um, but even that can change really quickly if somebody in the house loses a job or something like that. But I think we do have more wealth in the community. It's given us the opportunity to, like you said, look at how we want to do things differently. Um, as a parent, what do you want your kids to grow up thinking? Like, what do you want... What kind of, obviously all parents, I think, ask themselves, what type of person am I raising? But I think now more than ever, it's not just what type of person am I raising, but what am I doing that's going to impact the type of person that they become, you know, later on in life? And I don't want to call them zombies because that's, that's too extreme. Zombies. <laughs> but I think there was an era where just do what I say worked. Yeah. And that happened. And I think that was a generation before us. That doesn't work today. If we if we just tell it, just do it. Like, that's not going to last. So I think we've had to evolve as parents in our conversation, in our discipline, in our education of the children because that mindset fails. And ultimately, I don't think it worked for them in the long run. I think it worked in the short term where... You knew Saturday morning you need to clean the house. And when you, she leave, the house need to be this and the house need to be done because she said so. And that was a standard. But as far as how to be good people, I don't think that existed. And I do think a lot of that has to do with, and we've talked about it a couple times in this podcast, that time frame. I think welfare took a, took a parent out of the home because it was financially beneficial. Crack was a huge problem and black and brown communities and women were stripped of the ability to stay home and nurture and had to go be breadwinners too often other time. I think there's a multitude of reasons as to why our parents made the decisions that they did. Um, and obviously we're not speaking for all parents, yeah. all people. Um, like I can remember times where when my mom was buried, she was still working really hard. 
um, you know, when we before we moved to Stafford, she worked two jobs so that she could, you know, could buy the house, put furniture in it, you know, all of these things. But she was married. You yeah. know, she had a spouse who was supportive or whatever you want to call him and all of that. It's just But and kind of to that point and I and I hope I'm not going away from what you're saying, but I think part of that is because of what I was saying with the parents not making household kids had to grow up sooner. Mm -hmm. So, and I've heard countless stories of a dad was gone, so the young man had to become the head of the household. Yeah. Or because the dad was gone, the, the oldest sister had to take care of the four and five siblings and learn how to cook and learn how I mean, to, that's why I learned clean how to dinner. Cook. Yeah. Um, and so I think that cycle continued from even before our parents' generation is that they saw that. And so they had to grow up and mature at a much younger age. So they got involved in stuff at a much younger age so that that built the workman's mentality like your mom has. But I don't want that for my kids. Like, no, yeah. I had, my first job, I got, I'm got. i 32. I've been working more than half my life. My first job was at 14, and I've been working ever since. The longest time I've been without a job since I was 14 is when I got laid off for like four months, and I milked that. Um, shout out to unemployment <laughs> it came through in the clutch I put in my little applications when I needed to um, see I'm com complete, uh, completely different like I didn't get my first job until after we graduated from high school mm. and then I stopped working and went to cosmetology school and then I worked for a little bit and I moved back home then I worked for a little bit like it's always been like a fluctuating thing. I think the longest I worked was after I had Courtney, because after that I was like, oh no, like yeah. we ain't gonna be broke. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, um, and even in that, like my mom, my family, super supportive. Like I wanted to do hair, so they'd make me go get a regular job or whatever you want to call it. Um, and even now. Like, if something happened to you or, God forbid, something happened in general, like, I know for a fact my mom would be there for me, my uncles, like, it's it's been different for me in that aspect. Yeah. Like, even now, like, you kind of take care of us all, because yeah. I ain't working. I mean, I'm working, but... And you guess what, coming tomorrow. And you're, you're, and so that actually pivots into a great point. So, and we do this with us, but this is something that... I want to do with our kids that I don't know. Like my mom did a great job of this because I, for what it's worth, even though I've been working almost all my life, I haven't lived on my own. Like my mom didn't force me out the house. No, yeah. And I think that is another, because our parents saw it happen, with our generation, a lot of people I know forced, went to the military or had to figure it out at a very young age, which has caused debt which inhibits your ability to purchase a home because you're renting for so long. Because as you 18, you grow, you need to get out. You need to figure something out. If you ain't in college, then you need to go get a real job because chasing your dreams ain't gonna pay these bills. Yeah. And so I think what we, for me, I would say I'm much more educated in the fact that I wanna provide a lifestyle um, for our kids to pursue their dreams. I don't want them to have to give up. Like I quit playing basketball or sports in high school because I had to get a job. Like, I got it at 14, and then I kept the job, and then I got a work, or what do you call it? A work uh, permit. A work permit. permit. And then it was like, I can play basketball, but it's not going to be my future. Like, it ain't going to pay my bills, so go get a job. 
and I've been working job after job after job ever since. Uh, and so I think we also, that has been an education in our generation say, we want better for our kids. Like, I don't remember when I got my first bank account, but I don't believe my parents just put money in my account. <laughs> Definitely not when I was 18 months old. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the stimmies because the kids been getting hooked yeah, up. <laughs> the kids have, have been doing great. Yeah. You know, shout out to that. Um, but a lot of times the, the joke growing up for us was, we would have a bill in our name, but we wouldn't have no bank okay, account. We wouldn't have a bank account. And yeah. so I think those toxic thoughts. Mentalities. And that's a better word. Mentalities have been washed away slowly and eroded, at least from where I'm at now. In the inner city, it can it's still like, be yeah, a thing. But that's, I'm sorry. But that's the point. Like You have pockets of people who are doing better. Like They realize this is not how... Families are supposed to be functioning for the last 60 years. Like, what can we do to fix this? And, you know, that's why we see such a boom in black investors, black businesses and all that, because we're realizing that, yeah, equality is a thing, but you got to have money to sit at the table a lot of times. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of us don't have the money to sit at the table. And so a lot of us are... Well, I'm going to build my own table, and I'm going to buy the building, and you're not going to stop me. Shout out to Jay and Yeezy. Um, but, unfortunately, there are still plenty of people who don't, you know, the biggest bank account they have or the biggest, like, a grown-up account they have is like a prepaid debit card. You're not even connected to a bank. Right. And so it's like, you see this for lack of a better term, renaissance happening in certain pockets of the black community, but then you see the same old bullcrap happening in the black community. And it's like, where do you bridge that gap? Because, uh, and I hate to say it like this, a lot of it is some of them just don't care. Like, this is how it's been. This is working for me. And But success is hard work. Yeah, and, and I think that's a big part of it is, especially when you're a minority and especially when you're black, you got to work, what did I say, twice as hard to go half as far. And so if you want to have the success that you, you want in life, if you want to have what the stars have, if you want to have the life that you see on TV, it takes work. But not even to have that type of life, just having a better quality of life. But owning a home is going to take work. You are going to have to work a steady job for a long time to own a home. That's not something you just wake up one day and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to go get a house. Like, if you want to start setting up college funds, if you want to set up home ownership, even if it's, you know, it ain't got to be no single family home with 40 acres and a mule or nothing crazy. But it takes a level of dedication to one, get a college degree or a trade of some kind or at least a high school diploma or to take the time to research how to start your own business, how to navigate the supply chain at whatever you do. That takes work. And a lot of times it takes failure. And I, I saw something today that says billionaires are willing to lose millions to become billionaires. Millionaires are willing to lose thousands to become millionaires. But broke people don't want to lose any money to become rich. Yeah. And it just doesn't work that way. So it takes risk. It takes adversity. And when you've been beaten down your whole life, it's hard to want to take that risk because you take that risk and now your kid's not eating. 
or I can just stay where I'm at. My kids can eat. My Section 8 will pay for my housing. My welfare keep kicking in. My food stamps keep, keep kicking in. And I think you kind of went through that where once you hit a certain threshold, they take all that away. Yeah, and, that, and I guess I didn't understand. I knew so many people who were finessing the system. And it was like, I guess I had been working in a salon steadily for maybe a year or two. So I, I think I hit like whatever that threshold is. And it was like, nothing anymore yeah. and i'm like but wait i'm i'm still a little bit broke like i need that <laughs> like i need that and not so that i don't have to work as hard so as so that i can continue to work right. as hard as i've been working so that i can get to a place where i don't need these things anymore that was just like dang and it is like no notice just gone i'm like oh, oh okay let me go and you know hand out some more business cards right. i need more clients but that's the work I'm talking about. And to your point, like some people just, they don't want to do that. Um, and it's unfortunate um, because a lot of times, excuse me, it's the, the adult is fine. Like I can live in my house. I'll sleep on the air mattress or whatever. Um, but the kids suffer. Yeah. And nutrition becomes a factor when you're getting government assistance because they ain't giving you the best quality food. They're not getting your food from Whole Foods. They're getting it from... Them EBT cards, you can shop anywhere. Yeah, but there's a dollar amount, and if you buy nice groceries, you're going to eat up that EBT uh, card a lot faster. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then you got to be able to get to where the good food is sold. Mm -hmm. um, they don't have Whole Foods and what's that other store? And Walk, not Walk, is Walk not Walgreens? Wegmans. Mm -hmm. That's probably not in Southeast DC. <laughs> that's not in downtown of Brooklyn, New York. More than likely, um, gentrification is. Crazy thing because right. a lot of those stuff, those especially when you're talking about DC, like I can think of the apartment that I was living in over in Southeast, and we drove past there I think on our way to Philly or something like that, yeah. and like I saw like this whole new strip mall, and there's like there's a mom's market, mm -hmm. there was like a Safeway, like so, you know it, it varies. Yeah, but typically that's as they push those people out. Yeah, so that's true. Those don't come to areas that stay bad. Yeah. Those are areas that come in as they've already kind of pushed back your hairline a little bit. <laughs> and then they just bring it to the TV. <laughs> um, that pushed your hairline back. So it, it is, it's tough. Um, I think we navigate it pretty well. I know I'm not perfect as a parent. But the question I also wanted to talk about, which I think is kind of taboo. And this has a lot of different faces, but similar to the Kirk situation, and I've seen this happen in a lot of cases, is there ever a point when a child's behavior goes too far to the point that you just wash your hands? For you. I mean, for me, no, because it's your kid. And, you know, the same way that it takes you however long it takes you to figure out who you are and find yourself. They are a person and they need to figure out who they are and find themselves. Now, if they get to the point where they've completely ruined their lives, I'm not going to turn my back on them. But, like, at that point, it's like, as a parent, one, you're probably going to feel like a failure <laughs> because. You know, you, especially the way that I would like to set our kids up, it's like, 
you give them every opportunity, you, you know, push them out there to be the best person that they can be, and they fall completely flat of that. And it's like, do you take some onus in it? Because was there something more that you could have done as a parent? Or do you just be, you have to look at it like, well, you did everything you could do. And these are the decisions that they made. These are the choices that they made. And this is where they are. It's not your fault. So, Pastor Toby talked about this one time. Uh, sure, Pastor Toby. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me. And, uh, Shout out to our awesome pastors. Awesome, awesome pastors. We love uh, them. Life-changing for, for me specifically. Um, but I wanted to bet. Um, because I'm like, like, my mom tried. And now that I have kids, I'm like, like, I'm going to do everything that I can. But to that point, it's like, you want your kids to be, they are a reflection of you. Yeah. And so if they grow up and they suck, it's like, <laughs> dang, what's wrong with them? Well, even when you see kids and they're acting up in the store, now that I have kids, I recognize that it's not always bad parenting. <laughs> Sometimes these kids just be they're having just a moment. And so it's like, I know you know better, but you is tripping, tripping. And now you can't just joke them up like you used to. We can't just, call you. You can't just grab them by the back of the neck and take them to the bathroom and get them to calm down. Um, man, <laughs> you got to be real careful. Uh, well, then, Anita always says, um, if you're going to spank them, just don't leave no marks. Don't be <laughs> that, that sounds great, <laughs> but in that moment, you know, you got a, a light skinned kid or something. Yeah, because Raiders real light. <laughs> they mark up real easy. You know what? Can't send them to school like that. Uh, Again, we don't abuse our kids. No, no, no. Uh, not at all. Uh, they love don't us. Don't call CPS. And we love them. Don't bring uh, them back. But it is. A point, and I was going so more so, more so down the path of if they steal from you, if they are flagrantly disrespectful. Like, is there a point? If for me, I think there is a point where it's like, I love you, but whether it's your lifestyle or who you are, what you've become, like, I just can't do that. I can't go there with you. And if you want to come where I'm at, and you you understand my rules, my regulations, my standard. Then we can have that conversation. But if you're out there wilding and you, God forbid, killing people or robbing people or doing stuff, like there's only so much you can do, so that you don't become an accessory, so that you don't become <laughs> Not an, an accomplice. Like and that that we we see it on kind of these crazier scales, but like parents that put their kids in positions to do wrong are held accountable and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, and if your kid just keeps rejecting whatever you're saying because whatever you're doing, and obviously if you keep trying the same approach and they keep getting the same result, you should probably try something different. But if you're trying different stuff, if you're incorporating therapists, if you're incorporating another parent, if you're incorporating other people in your village and the kid is just like, bump that. I feel like at a certain point, it's just like, all right, similar to, and I'm not calling kids addicts or junkies, but at some point, you just got to let them hit bottom. And then I think you're there for them, but at some point, you got to get out of the way from being an enabler 
and allow them to experience life. And like the prodigal son, when they come home, you celebrate them, you yeah. love them, you educate them on what to do better in the future. But at a certain point, you just gotta let them go. You get it out of their system, basically. And you just hope they make it back home. So, I guess my question for you would be, that's, is that the approach that your parents took with you when you were wilding out? Uh, my situation is different. My dad <laughs> left. Yeah. Um, and I ended up living with him later in life, but also there's probably a bunch of stuff I don't think he knows ever happened. So uh -huh. it's hard to say whether how he would have responded. Um, and for that reason, my my mom too. Like there's a bunch of stuff I did that they don't know. And nobody will ever know. <laughs> um, have you ever? Um, and this is just because I think it's funny. Been talking about something with one of your parents. And then you remember how old you were when you were talking about it, and you knew it at the time it was wrong. And then they realized, like, oh, that's what you were doing. I have that happens with me and my mom all the time. No, I haven't had that. I've had a, quite a few conversations now, which is like, back then, like I was doing stuff, right? The stuff you like, because she'll, she or really more so my mom would be like, oh yeah, you were doing these great things, and like. At that same time, no, yeah, because I remember there was one time I was she still, was here. Yeah. She, I forgot what we were talking about, and I'm pretty sure it was something sexually related, though. And your mom said something, and I turned around and I looked. I was like, yeah. really? And I, I didn't honestly, I didn't say anything to her. At the time, I was like, mm. yeah. Mm. So, like, I was pretty good at like. What I wasn't, I was good at what I did, like getting away with it. But I also just, I didn't have a lot of supervision once I got to that age. Once I had a car when I was fifteen, brand new car. Thank God, I prayed for it, I believed for it, and I was given that. My dad was gone, my mom was working a ton, so like I would go to school, I would get decent grades because that was something that was they could you could check track grades. Yeah. If you get bad grades, is it like that's something they can see? Yeah, yeah. But as long as you get good grades and. The police ain't coming to your house, like, and you ain't coming home with broke, busted eyes and broke, busted lips. Like, there's not a lot. You can get away with a lot. Um, so I would say, but I obviously have made some mistakes and they know that. And they've been supportive, I guess. But I don't think I've ever gotten to a point where, like, it was... The rubber meet the road. I wasn't never looking at five to ten or twenty years <laughs> or like I ain't had four or five kids, you know, out there with three or four different moms. Like I was never that. Like I've yeah. never stolen from my parents. I've never like carried guns around them. You know, I, I never went to that extreme. So I think it's hard for me to put myself in the example because the examples of what I would think are kind of wash your hand situations, I was never you wasn't close that to that yet. Okay. What else? Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I'm a huge believer that, and this is just in life, I don't try to put more on people than I would put on myself. Mm -hmm. And so if I did things and I would expect someone to be there for me, I would be there for someone else. But if I'm out doing stuff, I'm like, I can't even defend that. Like, that's, that's just awful. You need to cut me off. <laughs> like, I, that, you know what? I was, I, just, 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 let, just kick me out. 
Just let it go. So yeah, uh, I do think that you hit that point, but I think the key is when the child is ready, still be there. Um, I wouldn't burn the bridge to a point that they can't they, come back. That when they hit bottom, they feel like they have nowhere else to go to, or they can't come back. But see, I feel like that happens a lot of times. I mean, I think child suicide rate would say that. Yeah, like they get to a point where, like the kid last year or the year before, he um, bought all the stock on margin. Yeah. And everything <laughs> went to hell, basically. Yeah. And I think it was like he got the notice that he owed all this money. And then he killed himself like a day and a half later. And his family was like, we didn't even know that he was in this situation. And it's like, I don't feel like he was at rock bottom. I don't feel like he was in a place where, I mean, he was smart enough to be trying to invest his money. So what made him decide, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, end it versus going to my family and asking for help to help me figure out the situation. Mm-hmm. And so again, like guess that puts you back in the position of what was the level of communication like between the child and the parents? Because at any age, I don't care what age, you know, you want to point out as a child, if the first person that you typically run to with a problem is Should be. your parent. Right. Um, and so at what age does that change? And at what, and, and if you can identify where that, I think, time period is, that you know as a parent or, you know, as a guardian or whatever, this is the time where the, the level of communication not only needs to be teaching, but we also have to be in a point where you can still come to me, like you've done wrong, whatever, just come to me <laughs> and we can figure it out. And I think you see that a lot in schools with like bullying. Mm. And I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Or I pray to God I don't ever have to deal with so, that. And we've had the fun conversation. Would you rather your child be the bully or get bullied? And we differ on that. We do differ. Because um, I don't want my kids picking on other kids. I would rather my kid pick on other kids than get picked on. That's, That's just ridiculous me. though. It's not. Um, and I, I, we, we can have that conversation. <laughs> okay. But if, for whatever reason, uh, I'm short, you're relatively short. Um, if for whatever reason our kids do get bullied, I would want them to be comfortable enough to come to us versus, in a lot of cases, kids taking their own lives because they feel like they have no outlet or no one to talk to or no one that's willing to protect them. Because I will fight kids. <laughs> Um, I don't even what it's worth. Like, like, if you think you are going to bully my child, and I, I will come to the parents first and say, hey, your kid is messing with my kid. And for whatever reason, my kid can't fix it. So as an adult, you need to fix it. Yeah. If that parent <laughs> refuses to fix it. Or it just doesn't get fixed. Or it doesn't get fixed, I will help fix it. and then said parent can come see me and then we can handle that too (laughs) so I want to be very clear my kids will not get bullied and I just stand around and let it happen 
No, most definitely. I completely agree with that. Um, in no way, shape, or form. Obviously, you want to envision your kid in that situation, but I don't... Like, I think I am that parent that the kid will probably get thrown at school. Not because they did something, but because they don't want to deal with me. And... Again, like, this world is crazy. And... I I just refuse to lose any of my children to something that I am fully capable of preventing. Um, yeah, we don't we don't do bullies. Nah. So good. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. I mean for that, yeah, we're definitely on the same page. Like I'm not I'm not going for it. Like even with like teachers. No. Oh, no. No, 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 it's not happening. I just, I see another adult. I wish another. Yeah, adult. I see these stories on Facebook yeah. and in my mom groups on Facebook what? of like teachers going way left with kids. Like that teacher that uh, made the little black yeah. boy take the no. feces out of the toilet with no. his hands. Hands. This is and. I, I'm sorry, like maybe I'm not saved enough. Like I don't have enough Jesus in me Ain't to no handle. Yeah, firing fire her is not good enough. Paying me some dollars ain't good enough. Not you gonna learn that that's not okay. <laughs> Promise you that. Yeah. Um, but in the spirit of Women's History Month, <clears throat> uh, we did want to highlight some phenomenal television parents Yay. specifically some television moms Mommies. and you can add to this list uh, these are some people that I came up with that as I was growing up I thought were <clears throat> great examples of mothers in a variety of different situations um, so this is not in a particular order uh, but Claire Huxtable shout out to Felicia Rashad, Rashad. Um, I don't know how you dealt with Cliff and all his Bruh, that's you slander here there's no bill slant like that's a whole different conversation yeah, Deshaun not. Watson's going through some stuff right now I'm not gonna get into that yeah. um, but Claire um, smart educated uh, relational like what didn't she have she mm -hmm. was her hair was always on fire like the way she dressed like just the way she carried herself she was just the pinnacle example yeah. of what you know a lot of mothers would want to be. Yeah. Um, personally, like I just love the way that she handled her husband. Like yeah. I love and all their kids. They had some kids. They had a bunch of kids. Like and they had very various personalities. Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite episodes, and this this is actually a different world crossover. Um, she took Vanessa. To Hillman to tour the campus and everything, and Vanessa and True Vanessa um, ways just got mixed up into some stuff. The bag on kids. Mm-hmm. And she had to tell Vanessa she's just like one. I'm where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. If you make it to live to be my <laughs> age. <laughs> And have the kids that I have can wear the size dress that I wear, do the job that I do, then maybe you can ask me some questions about what I'm doing. But until then, little girl, you need to go ahead and get in the back of this car before I hurt you. Like, 
Vanessa was actually really the problem child. Everyone always says it was Theo. Theo said a bunch of issues. Yeah, but once Theo learned that he was dyslexic, like all his issues were gone. He was still kind of clown. He was a clown, but if he got good grades, he went on to go to like. This is the sophomore. Turn out to be relatively successful. The next is Wheezy. Obviously, a very different dynamic. Um, Night and day. Dealing with the great George. Did he pass? Hmm? Georgia. Did he pass? George Jefferson. Yeah. Wait, what are you talking about? You said Weezy. Weezy. Yeah. See that? No. <laughs> he he didn't pass on the show. No, no, no. I'm saying. Oh, Weezy in real Sherman. life, no, yeah, Sh- Sh- Sherman. Yeah, Sherman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're past playing quite a well, time. Okay. I, I thought so. I just, and she's been gone, yeah. you know, just um, as long, if not longer. But just their dynamic, you know, loud mouth, dealing with him, um, and just her grace, and, and like I said, dealing with him. I thought her was level great. of patience. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, good. just saint-like. Everyone was like, he was trying to always do the right thing. He was trying. To do that. He was trying, but he just couldn't get right. Because of his mouth. Yeah. You, you're right about that. Um, and then I'm going to intake and do those to two different people. Aunt <laughs> Viv, shout out to Aunt Viv, the dark and light skin version. Um, dark skin version is my favorite. Uh, I think sorry. dark skin version is everybody's yeah. favorite. Not most of us favorite, but. Uh, <laughs> they squashed that. You know, they had they squashed that. It took a long time. Uh, we'll squash a lot of beats. Um, but no, uh, just. Again, another example of she had, you know, kind of the wealth, but I think she was a stay-at-home mom for most of the shows. But we saw she could sing, we she saw she could dance, and mm-hmm. she could tell somebody off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you came for her kids, she would get you right. Real quick. Um, and ultimately, she welcomed Will in. Like and that was a favor that she was going for her sister. Yeah. Um, to so save him. To, to, to save him because he had beat up at the basketball court. Or <laughs> um. And then the episode that we had started watching again when she had, when Will's mom first came out and she was showing that Will's mom thought that they were super privileged mm. and that she wasn't doing a good job raising them and she understood that there was a balance and so then they overcorrected and then they had them cook dinner and it was just a mess. Um, but just her support of her children and Hillary and who Hillary was, Carlton being Carlton, Will being Will. Ashley being Ashley and keeping it all together while Phil was, you know, uh, out being a judge, I thought was really well done as well. I think what I liked the most about Aunt Viv was, yeah, she was a stay-at-home mom and, you know, a well-to-do woman, but the level of strength that she always showed for sure for not just her husband, but her kids, like in their lives and the activities, just everything about her was just like... Yeah, I'm, you know, you might think I'm a lady of leisure, but I'm super involved in everything that my kids do. I'm there for my husband. I'm there for myself because she definitely took care of herself, Um, which I I personally feel like a lot of times moms feel like they don't have a lot of time to do. Um, And she was doing self-care back before self-care was a thing. (laughs) And so I I, thought, and I guess... I feel like when they switched to light skin up there, 
the dynamic of the character kind of changed a little For bit. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. like I feel like she wasn't even around as much when um, you know, white skin of it came into the picture. Yeah. And then finally, uh, the great Florida Evans, uh, classic a little obviously before our time, but just someone that I've enjoyed watching black TV probably more than than I do now. Like I like Blackish and some other stuff, but I was gonna say, um, but you you left some some names off uh, here. We, it's time, okay? Time. I don't even know what Harriet Winslow. So she came up in a lot, but how do you not love Harriet Winslow? I don't. It's not that I don't love her. Like there's her, and then there's others that I like, but. You can add her to your list. This is just my quick list. So feel free to jump in with whoever you want. <laughs> um, but Florida Evans, for me, was somebody that I really enjoyed watching, you know, kind of her dynamic and uh, the kind of mother that she was and dealing with, um, what's Dynamite? What's his boy? JJ. JJ. Uh, and just, and, and James and all that he went through. So, um, and just, and the daughter and, getting involved in all that and just being a mom and I believe she, she was a stay-at-home mom too, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think she worked, but in obviously a poor situation, so got to be yeah. inverse from the banks, but still holding a home together, making sure that a meal was made when he came home and making sure that dealing with JJ and trying to make sure that he was as close to normal <laughs> as possible. Um, so those are really the moms that stuck out for me, obviously. Um, family matters and what it offered was was, was cool um, and Laura and all of them but for me those are my four. Gotcha. So no, feel free to add whoever you like. I mean, like I said, like Harriet Winslow definitely should have been on this little list. Um, it's a little <laughs> list, like you said. Um, she was just again another. I think originally she started off as a stay-at-home mom, but then uh, transitioned back into work. But again, it's just the relationship she had with her kids, the relationship she had with Carl. And I, I'm not going to say that TV is what taught me how to be a mom or how to be a wife. But it, I would definitely say it definitely had some impact because you see these fictional relationships and it's like, oh, well, if they can solve problems like this, maybe I can too. Yeah. Um, and just really... If, you know, they're all feel good, you know, for especially for these of you know, black folks. Yeah. Um, don't necessarily always have the best examples um in real life. Um and then I think that's it as far as like T V moms go. No, like like Tim um Jack A. Yeah. Harry. She, she was solid and um man, I was thinking somebody else too and I lost it. Um, but from sister, oh, Monique, I thought Monique was uh, a great mom in relation to the relationship oh, that she had with yeah. her daughter off the Parker. I mean, and Dean, uh, yeah, um, from Moesha. So, I think, I think Monique that was, a, oh, go ahead. was probably the closest relationship I saw. Like, we talked about that friend board, that line that you you kind of crossed. Um, but I think they was like maybe too friendly, they was too friendly. Um, like, Ken needed her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, we've had some great black moms. Um, but that, TV. Yeah, TV black moms. Obviously, we have great moms in real life. Right. Um, My mom's dope. Miss Tanya. Love her. Um, two pieces. They have helped create what you guys are watching right now. 
um, our experiences, our life. Uh, so glad we were able to share this with you all. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys can take some things away for your parenting. It is okay to beat your kids. Just don't leave no marks. Like my wife said, I didn't say that. Oh, um, man. Make sure that the cameras is off. Um, all of that good what stuff. cameras? Yeah. I don't know. People got cameras in the house. So if you're going to beat your kid, go to the place with the camera. The camera's on. not there. People are hacking to your live stream and putting it on the internet and getting caught up. Yeah, true enough. Uh, but no, we love kids. Uh, we're we blessed love to our have kids. three. Um, and they're just bundles of joy. They keep us on our toes. They're helping mature us. They're helping extend our patience. The only way you get patience is by learning how to be patient. Um, so we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. And God bless.